We are starting, though, with the announcement that you just heard about on the news. This came from the Ministry of Public Safety and Solicitor General's Office. Stable funding for sexual assault programs in this province. I think what it recognizes is that when we've got uh, new standards in place, there's an opportunity to ensure that all cases are, are dealt with thoroughly. Uh, and if there are issues that need to be looked at, then that we're able to do that. Uh, we want to make sure that, uh, that victims and survivors know um, whether they choose to report or not, that they are going to be believed, that their case is going to be thoroughly investigated, and that the supports that they, that they need will be there for them. That was Minister Mike Farnworth speaking earlier today. Joining us now to talk more about this is Angela Marie McDougall, Executive Director of the Battered Women's Support Society. Angela, thank you so much for taking some time today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jill, and I'm so happy for the rain, I am telling you. So many people. Uh, yeah, it doesn't take long uh, for uh, to go from complaining about the rain to uh, <laughs> many people are very pleased about it today. Um, I know this was just announced earlier today, but again, it is talking about new funding or stable funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is annual funding for 68 new sexual assault programs throughout mm-hmm. the province. Uh, they're designed to, to deliver that to community-based services, mm-hmm. those services. What are your thoughts? on that? Well, of course, uh, always happy to see that there has been an infusion of funds for uh, for survivors uh, to receive supports that they need and, and that there's been, uh, you know, some investment in at least uh, one position or to augment an existing position uh, with it throughout the province, uh, which has been the, pro- that's been the priority of the provincial government as sexual assault has been there policy priorities so they've been taking steps and one of those has been to uh to come to increase funding or actually to have funding and to have that funding uh uh delivered uh throughout the province in the release that was put out earlier today it also talks about adding new programs and supports saying it will add five regional sexual assault centers that provide those spaces delivering services mm-hmm. for survivors how is that different then if we're talking about spaces like Vancouver rape relief or or other spaces that people might be familiar mm-hmm. with right so what they're doing uh, well I guess the first thing I want to say is that the funding is welcomed uh, it, it is welcomed. It ends up being a, a, around ninety thousand dollars per reads per organization, which is about one position, uh, or to augment an existing position that might not have been funded. You know, because I think we have to recognize that a lot of this is new funding; it had, didn't exist before. So, services could have been provided by an organization that didn't have funding, for example. So, it helps augment that. And with this, with the other pieces, is the sexual assault centers. That's uh, uh, about $300,000 for each um, organization that they're choosing, I think about five or six throughout the province, that then would have the, um, it would be to deliver services that would include being able to do the sexual assault uh, examination on site. Uh, It would include some, you know, to increase some additional support for organizations. The idea is to build a more community-based intervention rather than the hospital, for example, which many survivors would find more comfortable to be within a community organization that's set up to provide services in that way. Right. And that makes a lot of sense for sure. Uh, It also talks about new uh, policing standards, saying Mm -hmm. that these new standards will be guided by victim-centered, trauma-informed, inclusive 
culturally safe approaches. It says that police officers will work in collaboration with victim services workers mm-hmm. to consider the unique unique needs of survivors. Was was mm-hmm. none of that, or was that not happening previously? <laughs> uh, well, I'm chuckling because no, huh. <laughs> no, Jill, it was not happening. Uh, previously, and you know, we, you know, I, I'm, I feel privileged to have been able to provide, uh, it, you know, consul- I was a part of the consultation and provided uh, feedback on the guidelines, and but really on the principle of the guidelines, and and I and I think for you know for us to consider, you know, for your listeners and for all of us to be considering, what are we talking about when we're talking about guidelines? It, it, and these are guidelines to guide policing agencies, so RCMP, municipal police throughout the province, and how they will conduct invest investigations, how they will, uh, you know, respond. And so part of it, I think, in the guiding principles that um, uh, Minister Farnworth had announced today, you know, is, you know, it's all super um, progressive in the sense that it recognizes the, uh, you know, the, the range of, of identities and, and com- compounding um, kind of impacts and barriers that various survivors will have within the system. It also recognizes that most survivors are not accessing police, which is really important. And I think, and they're in their own uh, stats are saying six percent, which uh, we would agree with uh, with that somewhere in there. And so that means that the vast majority of survivors don't access the, the police. And I think what the intention is, and what well, is in their uh, press release is that they want these guidelines to create a, the conditions where more survivors would then feel comfortable to report to the police. And th- herein lies the rub. And this is where, uh, you know, I think that the issue is that we know that guidelines uh, does not change an organizational culture. And there's long-standing problems, deep problems within policing agencies, the RCMP, and in various municipal police forces in the province, uh, on how they are responding to sexual assault, sexualized violence. And it's, it's embedded in the culture. And the guidelines, the question then is, to what extent will the guidelines actually help shift the culture? Uh, and it's the culture, ultimately, that is the, the organizational culture, ultimately, is going to uh, guide uh, whether these guidelines are implemented. And, and the one benefit that the guidelines has, you know, will provide them, is that it will provide a mechanism for frontline organizations then to hold police accountable for their own guidelines, which is a big part of what we end up doing. And we, and we know this because of similar guidelines that were created around domestic violence, intimate partner violence, which we, you know, a big portion of, of you, know, my, my, you know, my co-workers' time, our time, is spent literally holding police accountable to their own guidelines, wanting them to follow their own guidelines. Uh, so it provides that kind of accountability uh, mechanism. But the issue is the same. Will this be enough to uh, deal with the organizational cultures within different police forces? And, you know, Joe, you may recall uh, some egregious cases, uh, particularly, a, you know, a young uh, girl who was sexually assaulted in Kelowna mm-hmm. and how the Kelowna RCMP uh, was just abhorrent in how they interviewed her, how they didn't follow through in the investigation and, you know, there's some regions of the province that have been really problematic, and Kelowna is one, and Prince George is another. Well documented issues, well documented, uh, and and of course, I know from talking to our colleagues in the region that you know what they deal with on the daily. 
Yeah, in that case, I remember watching the the video of that when when that young girl had gone to police and some of the questions that she was asked. Uh, is is that the not the norm though? Is that or or do you hear more and more cases like that? You know, anytime it's sort of like when you know when cameras camera phones began to highlight problems, right? Like with policing or with different issues. You know, it's like suddenly it's making visible that which is rendered invisible. Only people, only person that gets to see what's happening in those, you know, in those in those interview rooms are the survivor and the the member of law enforcement. So you know, and 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 it's just because we were able to see the video evidence ourselves and to be evaluated. So I know that there are many police that do a good job in the investigation. They're caring. They follow their own practices. They understand that. And I know that there's a lot that do not. And often it's the result of problematic organizational cultural practices that are in, in place and that are very resistant to change. Uh, one other question on that, because the timing seems like it's not all that urgent. And it says no. <laughs> uh, the, the release says the funding for sexual assault services programs will begin July 2023. So that's great. That's this yeah. month. That's where we are right now. But it then says that the new policing standards will take place in effect or will take effect in 2024, it doesn't say when, uh, allowing for police and police boards to to make the changes or to implement the requirements. What are your thoughts on the fact that the the timeline is sometime in 2024? Well, I mean, I think they said July in 2024, but it's not all that urgent, is it? I mean, it's not uh, giving the sense that this is an urgent matter, even though it's been highlighted already by survivors and by frontline workers. Uh, that it's urgent, but it probably has to do with the, um, you know, we've had a big uh, kind of change within policing. There's been a lot of longstanding police members that have retired. There's been big recruiting efforts. And so there's lots of new, relatively new, uh, you know, police members who are, you know, youngish, younger uh, in age, who are coming into RCMP, coming into Mr. Police. And there's a lot of training and other things that they have to be trained on. And so it ends up being a part of how quick can they get training in place that, you know, within a training roster that is already been established um, based on other, you know, other um, kind of skills and techniques that police, you know, police need to have. So it probably has to do with a schedule that they're already on. And they're trying to fit it in that schedule because they would be, you know, they would probably be fo- focusing, you know, more on other issues, which could be more around addressing, um, you know, public safety in, the, in, a, in, a, in a different way in the sense of what, um, you know, like mental health issues or, uh, you know, dealing with, um, you know, maybe, you know, dealing with, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm sort of speculating here, but I think it probably has a lot to do with, uh, you know, their own priorities and what, uh, techniques that they want their members to learn, what issues that they want their members, what awareness that they want their members to have. And this fits into that timeline that they've already established. But, you know, it's a year from now, which it, it's kind of interesting that it got announced today um, because it's uh, a little bit anticlimactic in that sense that, you know, okay, well, it's going to happen next year. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, and the other thing that I want to point out here is that they talk about victim service there and that, they, you know, that police will be working with victim service. And we have to uh, note that there are two versions of victim service providers in the province of British Columbia. One version 
is within police. That's a police-based victim services. They're housed within the police. They're um, they're uh, a part of the police institution. And then there's community-based victim service, which is like organizations like the one I work for, and you know, and and others all throughout the province. And so one is kind of in the institution, one is in community. And so what isn't clear is, are we talking, what are we talking about in terms of victim service? And we know that the police-based victim service play a key role in supporting survivors uh, and, and people, victims of crime, a really important role. And they're limited by their uh, kind of, con- while they're confined within the policing a- agency in the sense of community-based uh, uh, victim services have um, a bit more flexibility in terms of meeting a survivor's needs on the longer term because they're, they're in the community where the survivor lives. They can connect sur- the survivor to other resources, including the victim support. They can develop a longer term uh, relationship with the survivor uh, and meet, you know, because it's never just about the sexual assault. It can also be about housing. It can be about, um, you know, income. It can be about counseling. Like there's so many things that end up being a part of it. So um, understanding that the rules of police basic and services and community basic and services is important here and looking at how these guidelines will roll out. Well, I know we will be looking at this again and as this happens. Angela, always great to talk with you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Joe. I wish you all the best.